welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this. This is From Checkered to Green, the podcast all about racing is told by three lifelong racing fans. And from time to time, talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to take the green. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 25. I am Elliot Tardiff, alongside my colleagues, David Motti and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening, evening, sir. So how goes things up there in uh, the Empire State? Well, things are going well up here. Uh, Let's just say we've got some rain showers that have been moving through. Um, Let's see. A lot of the local racing tracks have had to cancel tonight due to the rain, but we got some good racing action going on. It sounds like, um, I think Oswego Speedway's got some racing going on tomorrow night. So as long as the weather's nice tomorrow, there's going to be some good racing this weekend up up in central New York. Meanwhile, over here in western New York, uh, Pretty similar tale, I got to say. Uh, forecast has got a line of rain coming through tonight. Nothing overly crazy. We've seen much more energetic weather earlier in the week. But beyond that, we are in the dog days of summer here. Upper 80s and 90s. Like humidity usually reserved for the Central American rainforests. But you won't hear a complaint out of me. It's my favorite time of year. Oh, very cool. You would be in... in uh... Uh, very good company down here, Ryan. We've had very hot, humid weather uh, this last week, even to the point where I think they started issuing heat advisories um, for on the account of the, the heat and humidity. So that kind of gives you an idea of how bad it was getting. Um, I think we had heat, heat indices over 105 uh, dew points, mid upper 70s. So um, all kinds of fun. Um, Especially once you get, uh, you know, out down towards uh, like Fayetteville and kind of out, out east of 95 a little bit, uh, they tend to, to get it really bad. So, um, so we're uh, dealing with that, uh, but getting some evening thunderstorms to kind of cool it down a little bit. And then uh, here as we get into the weekend and early next week, um, things really get wet. And, you know, this is one of the parts of the Carolinas that... Um, you either like or don't like, or both, is that the uh, the tropics are right down the street, and uh, sometimes you get uh, one of those systems that uh, rolls on up and makes a house call, and so that's the thought that uh, might happen with Fred uh, getting into next week, and then uh, possibly what whatever this thing might be, that might be Grace here in the coming days, so we're going to have to watch that too. Yeah, you know, I, I just gotta say, uh, up here in Central New York, we um, if we would have had a um, we we fell, I think it was Tuesday, just shy of ninety degrees, and if we would have had that, uh, we would have been actually considered in a heat wave. Oh, wow. So, yeah, let's just say. Um, yeah, it wasn't fun last night when I went walking. Pretty humid out, so looking for some relief this weekend, and hopefully next week it'll, it'll be nice. Oh, very good. Well, speaking of relief, 
uh, getting into our checkered segment, coming into this past race weekend at Watkins Glen, Hendrick Motorsports was looking for some relief um, and trying to get their groove back from where they were earlier this season when they could do no wrong and dominate most every every race and every race track they went to. Um, and this last weekend, by and large, they were able to achieve that. Um, so um, to kick off the race straight away, um, some of the Fords were really strong and qualifier. Um, uh, some of the Fords uh, starting up front, um, specifically the Penske duo of Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, um, were strong early, but then things quickly went awry um, with Keselowski spinning in turn six and then later on spinning in turn one and actually collecting Logano and relegating both of them to poor finishes on the day. Um, so that opened the door first for uh, the Toyotas of Martin Truex and Christopher Bell um, to make some big moves. But um, uh, late race contact between Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell, um, which appears to remain unresolved uh, unresolved this week. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, knocked Christopher Bell out of contention for the win. He still finished top 10, but he was done for the win uh, conversation for the day. Um, and it ended up being Kyle Larson uh, holding off a hard charging Chase Elliott to win at Watkins Glen. Truex finishing third, Kyle Busch finishing fourth, Denny Hamlin rounding out a Gibbs triumvirate in the top five. Uh, then it was Byron, Bell, Kevin Harvick finishing eighth, Chase Briscoe having another solid road course finish in ninth, and Tyler Reddick rounding out the top 10. The um, outgoing Ganassi cars of Chastain and Kurt Busch finished 12th and 13th. Um, Ryan Blaney was the top finishing Penske car in 14th, Matt DiBenedetto uh, finishing 11th for the Wood Brothers, um, also a uh, Penske uh, satellite team. Eric Almirola coming off his win before the Olympic break at Loudoun, finishing 16th after starting 8th. And Alex Bowman rounding out the top 20. Gentlemen, your thoughts on Watkins Glen? I, I got to say it was a good race. I DVR'd it because I was out, I was out of town and I watched it later this weekend. It, it was really good. It, it was a good race. Um, I mean, Penske, gosh, Sunday was bad to Penske, uh, both Cup and IndyCar, and we'll, we'll discuss IndyCar later on. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it, Hendrick this year on row courses have been unbelievable. And not only that, it's either been Chase Elliott or – um, Kyle Larson finishing one, two in most of these races, um, with the exception of Daytona, which Bell won, but it's been a real, it was a really good race. Um, it, it was more, you know, more of a good, clean race. I, I, you know, I know Kozlowski had brake issues all day. And, um, I mean, at Watkins Glen, I mean, if your brakes, go shot that's I mean that's kind of it it's I mean you, you need a track where it's breaking 
Um, I do, I, I will give NBC lots of credit. I love their race broadcasts for that, where they have the different announcers in the turns. Um, their radio broadcasts, they call it. Um, but I, I like that bat cam that they had because you actually got a good idea of how those cars were going through the bus stop. But yeah, Larson, I mean, it just worked out for Larson in the end and, and Chase Elliott. Um, I know Elliott got dinged for a penalty later on, um, but still is, you know, or before the race with inspection and, but yeah, it it was good. Um, I Hendrick's just been great this year. Ryan, your thoughts? I couldn't have said it better myself. Dave Hendrick has been absolutely on fire on the road courses this season. You got to give a real nod to Larson, not only holding on to win the race, but winning that basic slugfest with Chase Elliott to maintain that lead to take the checkered. That's the sort of stuff you expect to see out of some of the most hardened veterans and to see it on him, you got to figure who you're going to have a fun future in this sport. I look forward to seeing that. Oh, certainly. Considering Chase started in the rear too for mm-hmm. that race and, and moved up. And I mean, he couldn't close it in the end, but I mean, all you needed was one caution. I mean, if Bell couldn't get started, that was it. I mean, that would have been, you know, that could have opened the door for a chase. But I, that, that's the other thing, Ellie. I know um, you mentioned about that Larson and Bell not talking. Well, I hate to say it, but that was not Kyle Larson's fault. He went in the corner, trying to make a pass, and I – Maybe Formula One, this, you know, a, a penalty would happen, but you're trying to make a pass. Give the guy room. I mean, just, you know, the car's faster than you. You couldn't catch your teammate. And, you know, Truex was leading. And Toyota, I mean, whatever, Bell, it, it's good, you know. It, it, I, I like to see how that carries into Indy this weekend, but yeah, I'm not, I, that's not Larson's fault. No, I completely agree with you on that one. Honestly, I thought Bell was extremely reckless trying to move like that. Like he, he got extremely lucky that the result was simply moving back a few spots instead of not finishing the race because it could have very well happened. Mm-hmm see Sterling Marlin off of the bumper of Greg Biffle years ago and the infamous bug-eyed dummy comment. Beautiful afterwards. That. Well, I mean, I mean, but that's Watkins Glen. It's been known for those things. Harvick and Montoya. That is true. I mean, literally fist fighting it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, one one bell's got to be lucky that one that there's pavement there. I mean, mm-hmm. if it was grass or when they had the sand, you're, you're done. Really you, yeah. you're, you're done as soon yeah. as you hit it. You would have been a lap down. Yeah. I mean, and the only reason they took the sand out was to give those guys a shot to go wider in that corner. 
Yeah, and possibly also to, you know, kind of save the car too, um, if uh, if possible. You know, if they ran into trouble or what have you. Um, one thing to note too, by the way, you know, we talk about, um, you know, drivers really going for it here. Um, it's worth noting, and I didn't know this up until recently, um, but there's playoff points given based on the points at the end of the regular season. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's 15 points to the, the points leader and then 10 points to second and then goes so on down uh, to, I think, uh, 10th place. Yeah. And it is a tie right now at the top of the points um, between Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin. Well, that that's that's the thing is, I mean, where what is going on with Gibbs this year? What is, I mean, Hamlin hasn't even won a race yet. He hasn't, but the fact that he has is, you know, he's he's tied for the points lead speaks to just how consistent that team has been. Yes, they've had winning cars. They probably should have won a couple of races by now. Um, and have had, you know, bad luck, uh, you know, intervene or just, you know, other, other things getting in the way, you know, almost like, uh, Jeff Gordon, I think it was in 2010 when he couldn't Mm -hmm. buy a break. So, uh, or, or Johnson, I mean, I mean, Jimmy Johnson in his final year couldn't get a break at all that too. But with that said, Hamlet's still leading the points. And as long as. Um, you know, something crazy doesn't happen here in the next few weeks, then he'll be in the but, playoffs. He'll have 15 playoff points in the bank or 10. Um, well, either or, and he'll be on his way. He, he, I mean, he's, he's definitely a lock in the playoffs. I don't think anything's crazy going to happen. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not going to drop 300 points in the final few races before you know before the chase begin or before the yeah the playoffs begin Mm -hmm. i mean the only thing that's going to affect him is if he doesn't win Mm -hmm. and doesn't get that crucial win under his belt and get a point for that you know and get the points for that win Mm -hmm. um he's gonna line up probably um you know probably not in the you know down near the top 10 in points so he's going to be behind so yeah i agree with that but i mean we'll we'll just have to see in the next few weeks but i mean that's one thing we've also had another thing with some formula one and some interesting battles indeed let's talk about this we um in episode 24 we were kind of highlighting um, how intense this weekend was going to be with the rivalry and everything coming off of Silverstone and also highlighting some cars that and drivers that could potentially benefit from, from this rivalry and anything, if anything happened from it. And boy, oh boy, did things happen from it. So uh, David, why don't you tell us about um, uh, what happened in the race and oh. who ended up benefiting from it? Oh my gosh, this was a, um, it, it was unbelievable. It was really unbelievable. I mean, you're, you're, I know we're talking about NASCAR and 
Larson and Hamlin being in a heated battle. Formula One, that race was crazy at Hungary, at the Hungarian ring. And pulling up the results right now, it was interesting. So um, it was raining at the start. And everyone decided to go on to um, the intermediate tires. So they come to the formation lap at the end and they take the green. Well, Vantoli Bottas um, decides to go hot into turn one with the rain and gets into... um, He just went full wrecking ball. He went full wrecking ball. Who did he hit? Uh, he hit. He hit. Um, oh, stroll. Oh, nope. is it stroll? Okay. Stroll or Leclerc? He hit one of those. Yeah, I think he hit stroll, which okay. ended up causing a wreck, which took out Perez, Bottas, Leclerc. Um, for stamping got, got damage. Yep. Um, Norris. Norris. Um, actually ended up going out because of it. Uh, big news out of that, um, and I'll tell you later, is the two big penalties that came off of that. Um, I'll explain mm-hmm. that at the end of this. But then what was interesting is they red flagged. Well, the sun comes out. So they do the formation lap, and in Formula One, on a formation lap, if you pit, to do a tire change or something, you have to start from the pit lane. So the ward was going around. Everybody's going to pit. And they're going to put on slicks. Everyone except Lewis Hamilton did that. So Lewis Hamilton started the race, the only one on the grid at the restart, while everyone else started the pits. Well, that was bad. Hamilton got hurt by that. Um, intermediate, the tires started to go. And Esteban Akon, who um, took the lead, ended up leading the race and winning. Um, his first win ever. Vettel was second, but penalty have happened later. Hamilton would have been was third. Sands was fourth, Alonzo fifth, Gasly sixth, other normals for Stappen was 10th. Um, and you had six cars uh, that didn't finish the race because of crashes or issues. Um, but then after the race, um, Formula One takes a, a liter of fuel and Vettel did not have enough fuel for them to take a sample, which resulted in a disqualification, which moved everyone up, which is big for Hamilton, which got him more points. Um, the um, it, Vettel disqualified. They appealed a lot, lost the appeal. They tried again. Uh, they were going to try again, but they withdrew that appeal. So Vettel got zero points, but your standings actually got very, very interesting. Lewis Hamilton takes the lead. He's um, eight points ahead of Max Verstappen. Lando Norris is third. 
but the constructors championship got even more interesting. Mercedes jumps ahead. They're 12 points ahead now of Red Bull. Um, but the other big penalty, and this is going to be very big coming into the next race, is for Mercedes is the five grid penalty that Bottas was slapped with for that rack. Um, so that means if he starts first, he's going to be six. If he starts qualifies third, he's going to have to start eighth. If he qualifies fifth, he's starting 10th. Let, let's just say, and, and that's barring something else doesn't happen, but you got to think for Mercedes right now, the next race coming up in Belgium is going to be huge because Bottas is already down uh, five positions when he starts, which could be big in the points, especially if Red Bull has a good day. But, gentlemen, I it was a wild race. Your take on it? Um, it was. It, it was a, a wild race from start to finish. Um, I, um, I confess, I actually jumped in on this one probably about halfway through um, and was amazed to see Ocon out in front um, and Alpine doing as well as, as they were. Um, and a lot of people said that Fernando Alonso was the driver of the day because Lewis Hamilton was trying to charge up from the back of the field after that um, the gaffe of staying out on intermediates on a dry track and then having to pit under green and then everyone else going by him. Um, so he's charging up through the field and he had a fast car. Um, but Alonzo, and we talked about how difficult it is to pass at this track, um, did a, a yeoman's job in holding off Hamilton for quite some time. Um, and much to the thrill of the crowd too. They were, they were in, uh, enjoying very much um, the frenetic racing that was happening in the final laps um, and watching uh, Hamilton get by Alonso and then eventually get by Carlos Sainz um, in the Ferrari uh, who finished, ended up finishing third on the day. Um, but this was an absolutely huge day for, uh, for the Alpine team. Uh, Scuderia, um, Alpha Tori, they had a huge day too, finishing fifth and sixth. Uh, Williams having a great day, finishing seventh and eighth. Um, and Kimi Raikkonen in uh, the Alfa Romeo team, uh, you know, they've had some hard luck this year um, and, you know, not a whole lot of speed, but with the, uh, the disqualification of Vettel, uh, he ended up finishing in the points. And this is all according to racingreference.info. Um, and also the, uh, the NASCAR standings before those were also from racingreference.info as well. Um, but um, yeah, just a lot of people that, um, you know, took it easy going in the one, probably figuring that something would happen. And, you know, cause we talked about and it, it, everything that we talked about in the last episode was prescient to a ridiculous extreme almost. Um, because we talked about how important turn one was going to be. We talked about the rivalry. We talked about um, how difficult it is to pass and how 
you know, some of these midfield drivers could benefit from that. And, and boy, did it ever. Um, so good on, uh, on Ocon and uh, the Alpine team uh, for having a, a, a legendary day for them. Uh, you know, in Hamilton, once again, you know, it, you can say that the team screwed up by leaving him out um, and thus costing him, you know, any chance of the win, really. Um, but at the same time, you've got Sir Lewis Hamilton behind the wheel. And um, he proved why he is one of the best Formula One drivers of all time, charging from the back of the field to finish second, pulling something out of what could have otherwise been a, a rough day for him, um, and taking advantage of Red Bull's misfortunes, um, and Verstappen nursing at home with a wounded car to ninth place. And building a little bit of a, of a points cushion going into this next race at Spa. Um, so, you know, we've talked before about how lucky Mercedes has been this year. Um, and this race, Hamilton just went out and got it because he had to, and he did. So um, that's... This is certainly, you know, we talked about how important Silverstone was and everything that happened there. And now we need to see if Red Bull can bounce back and spot. It's a big yeah. question, right? So, really. I mean, you speak the absolute truth, sir. And, you know, there are those who say that sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Well, Sir Lewis Hamilton clearly doesn't subscribe to that mindset. He decided, no, I'd rather be good. And he showed he's good. That fight from the back, some of the best drivers to ever run Formula One couldn't have pulled that off. And yet, we saw it happen in front of our very eyes. And massive props to him for that, as well as to Ocon getting a well-deserved and, I dare say, much-needed win for Alpine Renault. Because, you know, some of these midfield teams, as you said, you know, look for, you know, some of those silver linings amongst the dark clouds that they've been experiencing. And he had the luck and the skill to grab hold of it and take it all the way to the checkered. So respect to him for his victory. And I think we all realize that eight points does not a guaranteed championship make, but I imagine it's probably got to be very good for the morale of the Mercedes team to find themselves in the number one point slot again. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a great race, and, and it was amazing. And, and some of the issues, I mean, um, there, there was some criticism on George Russell's part. They think that Russell was, was kind of holding up a little bit. Same with Mick Schumacher. Um, that as his rides kind of got um, – Mick Schumacher's Formula One career is starting to go south very quick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I give props to Mercedes. I mean, they messed up bad. Um, you know, it was going to look like, holy crow, like they just handed back Red Bull. You know, they, they just handed Red Bull a gift after one of their cars took them out, but... Hamilton got lucky too. I mean, that could have been a worse rock. 
I mean, you could have more cars involved, and I, I know I, I. It just feels that Mercedes Red Bull rivalry again. So, I, I think it's going to be a great season, and I, I think you're going to get more slobber knocker events here. Indeed, and especially a little too. sad if we didn't. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I'm looking at the calendar here on RacingReference.info, and they're at the halfway point of the season right now oh yeah Um, and you know all of this that's gone on it's you know this would be a solid formula one season in any other year um if it were to end right now but we're halfway in so get that keep that popcorn machine going because this 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 is gonna get real good i think yeah especially you've got belgium's you got netherlands um Let's see what other tricks we got. We got Italy. Um, yep. So she's going to be an interesting track. Um, you got Circuit Americas. We yep. don't know what's happening after Brazil. And then you got Abu Dhabi at the end yep. in Saudi Arabia. I mean, two tough tracks. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um well, that's not the um, not all the interesting uh, um, racing events that have happened here lately. Um, on the other side of this break, our spotlight segment, we're going to talk about the IndyCar race at Nashville and all that happened there, the good, bad, and the ugly. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is From Checker to Green. From Chuck It to Green podcast, we'll be right back. Do you like what you hear? Join the conversation. Find us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just look for From Checker to Green podcast. Is there a segment you enjoy? Tell us a particular topic you'd like us to cover. Let us know. Your feedback helps generate our content. And if you're enjoying this episode, Find the rest of our episodes on podcasts.com as well as Apple Podcasts. Simply search the From Checker to Green Podcast. We hope to hear from you soon. And now, back to the From Checker to Green Podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Welcome back to the From Checker to Green Podcast. Let's move into our spotlight segment now. Um, and talking about one of the biggest races of the year in any form of motorsport. Uh, this one, a lot of people had circled on their calendars for a lot of different reasons. Um, and in a lot of ways, it doesn't, it did not disappoint in other ways it did. So let's break down the good, bad, and the ugly of the big machine music city grand prix of Nashville that the, uh, IndyCar series ran this past weekend. So, uh, David, why don't you tell us first about what happened in the race and who ended up winning? Most certainly. So, um, so the race started, this is the first year course that they had. Um, the first year that they did this at Nashville, they did a street course where they actually are going over a bridge from one part of the city to the other. They used Nissan Stadium as a background for Pitt Road, home of the Tennessee Titans. But yeah, 
there was, um, you know, it, it was a good clean start on the back. Uh, they started on the back straightaway to be smart, kind of like some like mid Ohio where they're going to start sooner than the actual start line. So they don't have issues. Um, but yeah, um, right towards it, um, Delton Kellett stalled his car in lap three. Uh, Colton Hur was on the pole, took the lead right away. And then, um, they were coming back to the green and on lap five, um, Marcus Erickson try um, in the spirit of the Olympics, according to Marshall Pruitt on his article on racer.com should have gotten a gold medal for the high jump. He did when he uh, ran right into the back of um, Sebastian Bourdais car and literally got the car up the front of the nose about 10 feet in the air. You could see skid plate and all. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But yeah, they had that and then they went for green again. And later on, they had another accident. Um, and then another pile up in turn 11. And then another crash. And then another crash. Another crash. Another crash. Um, and then another, another crash. crash. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 33 laps for, of, um, yellow flag. Um, they, they ran the race about 41.3% under caution and 4.7 laps under green, according to racer reference, but it was Herda, then Erickson, Herda, Grosjean leading Marcus Erickson after doing the high jump wins the race. Um, Holt Herda was come up near the end. And ended up crashing. Um, he was the foul caution. Scott Dixon was second. James Hinchcliffe needed a great run. He was third. Same with Ryan Hunter Ray. He was fourth. Graham Rahal was fifth. Other Norobles, your points leader, Alex Palou, was seventh. Um, Helio Castroneves was ninth. Uh, Pedo Award was 13th. Will Power for causing two wrecks ended up 14th. Um, gone to teammates twice. Um, he caused that uh, big pile up in turn 11, which resulted in a red flag. And then he got into his teammate Scott McLaughlin and Delton Kellett as well. Uh, Grosjean was, was 16th. And Jimmy Johnson was 26, and Seabay, uh, he crashed, and Sebastian Bourdais was last because um, when Erickson him, he destroyed the rear wing, and that was it. So, yeah, um, did I explain that enough in a nutshell for you guys? <laughs> uh, in a, a a very truncated sense, yes, uh, because there was so much that happened in this and, race. And and that's what we got to talk about in this segment. Like, yeah, there, there were, oh my gosh. Yeah, there were so many comers and goers. It was crazy. So, and Colton Herta was right in the middle of it the whole time. Oh, yeah. So I took notes. Um, 
You're a well, better host s- than me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I took I took notes, and we were chatting during this race, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And I won't say the words I used. Um, I mean, Thank you. Well, we're trying to get syndicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and no one has a dump button. Uh, let's just, uh, if you ever saw the Boondock Saints at the uh, Roscoe, Rocco. Uh, or Rocco. Rocco, thank you, sorry, not Roscoe, Rocco, um, in, in that scene where he just drops uh, the F-bomb left and right, um, yeah. Illustrating the diversity of the word. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we kind of had that going on. Um, Gee, I wonder why. Well, yeah, so here's my notes. Start on the back smart. Kellett stalls on lap three. Eight runs into 14, coming to the start, and no yellow. WTF. Just no clue where, and, and this is what bothered me with the NBC broadcast. They needed a track map where the cars were. I had mm-hmm. no no clue um due to that start on the back straightaway um the aerosmith mclaren schmidt pearson schemes those are ugly those tiger zebra referee whatever pink schemes we don't speak Uh, of such things (laughs) sorry crash on lap 16 in a tight corner for car three luckily no one hurt that multi-car uh, red flag, thank you, Will Power, which I guess afterwards Scott Dixon vented uh, saying, um, yeah, why did you give them all your lap back when they were involved? Um, worse than Baku, I would say that, comparing Formula One. Power can't drive. Random fluid leaking somewhere on the track. Grosjean led in lap three. Why Why was some official waving the green flag when some car was stalled? Feel uh, better knowing I wasn't the only one that noticed that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, heard of crashing hard. Two red flags. Good thing, Hinchcliffe. My final thoughts. Not thrilled at all at the track. The track is like Baku and Monaco. Um, Not sure if we want to do this again. Maybe go another track. This is worse than the Meadowlands in the 1980s. It's a mighty bold claim, sir. Oh, it was was a cluster you-know-what. Oh, absolutely. It was a unique kind of nightmare on about 200 miles an hour. Oh, and Pruitt's article on racer.com. Um, he, he said, um, yes, he did say that um, Erickson should get a gold from the IOC mm-hmm. for that. Um, High jump. Oh, yeah. Yep. But he also said the bumps. I mean, they even had to shave it down. But here's the interesting thing out of this um where is it where is it where is it oh 
he gives the Golden Bowling Ball Award to goes to Tuamba's finest, and I quote this, who bowled the biggest strike of the year by creating a pop-up cars and coffee Nashville at turn 11 with Paginot, and then wiped out another teammate in McLaughlin because, well, you never want to leave a pin standing if it's within reach. Uh, fortunately for Joseph Newgard, he wasn't too far away for power to bowl a perfect team Penske strike. Um, yep. And Power's unapologetic, too, after it. But this is the, oh, uh, the, you talked about um, grandstand failure. And I quote from the article on racer.com. The inaugural national event was full of a few good stories. I mean, they had a lot of fans there who were excited, but yes. don't tell that to the fans who paid a handsome sum to sit in some of the grandstands that weren't completed. Fans reported the track was still being assembled when they arrived on Friday with some grandstands waiting to be built. While it wasn't a big inconvenience for some, the promoter's failure to deliver for those in wheelchairs who bought tickets to make use of the small elevator attached to the grandstand is where the mood changes. The long trek in the heat to find altering viewing options was not appreciated. I'm told this is what the promoter sent to those who were affected Friday and Saturday. And I quote, we are pleased to inform you that the Grandstand 6 has been fully completed and will be open for Sunday's Big Machine Music City Grand Prix activities, including this weekend's marquee NTT IndyCar Series race. On behalf of the promoter team at Big Machine Music City Grand Prix, we greatly appreciate your patience with the Grandstand construction delays by our vendor and extend our apologies for any inconvenience the relocation to other grandstands had may have caused the previous two days. We also want to remind you that the event promoters will be issuing a refund to the primary purchaser for the two of the three days you were moved to another grandstand and did not have an opportunity to enjoy your original seat. Thank you for understanding and we hope you enjoy today's inaugural Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. End quotes. Well, for what it's worth, at least they handled it well. Yeah, at least they handled it well, but... Barely. Yeah. All right, guys, let's talk about it. Since now I've gotten all my notes out and we've put everything out of the air. Because I can rant after this, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Well, rule number one of um, hosting a, uh, a race of any kind is have the as much seating as possible so as many people can pay tickets to come in and, and see it. So when you don't have you know one of those important grandstands done in time for the start of the race weekend, that's that's a, a key mess up. Let's put it that way. Um, so that, you know, they did offer a refund for those two days. Yes, that's helpful. Um, but at the same time, you've got a lot of very angry people wandering around trying to find 
um, another view. Um, so that's um, so that is you know not a very good thing. Um, the other thing is um, you know the uh, the track layout. Um, you know while there there were some iconic uh, items in spots, like clearly the cars going across the bridge, um, you know was was definitely one of the eye-catching moments of this season thus far. You don't really see that. Um, so there was that, but in other parts of the track, it was, there was so little room that when you had a problem like you did in turn 11 um, with Will Power uh, channeling his inner Michael McDowell and shouldering um, another car into the, the the wall with other cars stacking up behind um it turns into you know as big of a mess as it did and you have a, a you know 20 30 minute red flag to clean up that mess so there's that um in addition to that you've also got um you know a track that's so narrow that if a safety car inadvertently you know wanders out onto the track in the middle of a pit sequence then the pace car has got to stop. And, you know, that's, uh, I did not realize this about the IndyCar series that if you get wherever you get to the, um, the pit exit line, that's, that's your position. You do not start behind all of the cars that stayed on the racetrack. Um, that happened with, um, with a, a pit stop involving Colton and Herta. Um, and a few other cars, uh, about halfway through the race, um, they came into the pits, um, and pit lane was uh, kind of a shorter pit lane anyway. Um, and then they had a, an issue, um, heading into, uh, a chicane on the other side of the, the pit wall, um, such that the field wasn't moving as fast as they otherwise would. And it was to the benefit of the people on pit road. Um, so there's that as well. Um. So they, there's some things they need to figure out with the track design to make sure that, you know, if there's, if there's a problem, it doesn't block the whole racetrack um, needlessly. And then also there needs to obviously be better coordination amongst safety cars such that you don't have one of them wandering out right in front of the pace car. Um, and then IndyCar also needs to look at the rule of where cars come out off of pit road and where they end up lining up on the restart. So there's, you know, to put it gently, definitely some things to go back to school on um, before they try this again. Brian, your thoughts? Well, first things first, when I first saw Marcus Erickson trying to do his best impression of Superman, I thought, well, his day's about to come to an abrupt halt. Thanks for coming. And when he took the checkered flag, I thought, you know, I really should issue this man a very heartfelt apology for doubting him because I don't know how he done it, but somehow not only did he land beautifully, he ended up winning the race. Yep. And, and land yeah, without I, messing they, up his front yeah, suspension. Yeah. How do, yes. you not, how do you not mess up your front suspension in a, I mean, literally – looking like a fighter jet taking off type of move. 
like and then ripping the whole front 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 off your car, your whole front yeah. wing. Yeah, when the pit report comes out, like, oh, his suspension's fine. Like, how? It was like, what how? law of physics allows that? It, it, I mean, Seabass had more damage than he, he did. And he, I mean, he hit him in the back. Yeah. How? Yep. It's like, I mean, I'm not sure how he managed to smuggle the horseshoe into that car, but it served I, him well. I, I think that just shows you how good the technology has come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these things can survive the kind of abuse that most drivers would look at and go, do they test for that? Yeah. I don't think they test for that. Oh, I don't think sir. they test for that either. I, but, don't, um, I, I don't want to be on the I don't want to be the person who does. No, the, <laughs> that poor unsuspecting crash test dummy would never see that coming. <laughs> yep. But speaking of things that um, I didn't see coming, when they came out with the um, the television ratings for the race. I did not see this number coming either. So according to the Nashville, Tennessee, and this is an article by Mike Borgen, um, the race drew a total audience of 1.212 million viewers for this race. Um, and if you think, well, that's a decent sized number for an IndyCar race, you would not be wrong. Um, according to this article, it was the most watched IndyCar series race on NB uh, on cable in NBC sports history going back to 2009. Wow. So that that beats Indy this year. I mean, well, they, they put a lot of hype into it, which is good. I mean, it was exciting when they came out with the layout of the track that looked really good. You know, everyone really wanted to see it, which helped the cup race too, because you, because of the Olympics, you had them on NBC Sports Network, so they at least, you know, you could be one and the other. So you, you know, you know, Watkins Glen's Watkins Glen, but this was national, and they, I mean, the hype that went into it yep. was amazing. It's just. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was good, but I, 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 I would love to poll everyone who watched it and say, would you watch it again next year? I want to see, I, I kind of want to see the response because, you know, you had high turnout, but when you run half, you know, almost half the race under caution, well, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you, Elliot, I, I, on the, on the um, track layout. Um, it, this is going to be my soapbox moment here is um, you got the, the bridge was great. I mean, there, there was the best passing zones was going to be the bridge because they could open it up. But I, I like that, but you really needed to find a way to widen that course. And I think you're going to have to. Um, I, I think if you're going to want to make this a prestige event like um, St. Petersburg or Long Beach, let, let, let's compare Long Beach. You got to find, or, or Toronto, when, when they race in Toronto. They why they you know they make they try and make that course wide and you gotta, um, 
I, I think the tight corners, I mean, Herta said it, there's not going to be passing, and, and it wasn't. It was pit stops that gave the lead away. So, I you know, um, I, I really think you need to, you know, they got to look into that. If, if they go back next year, who said um, – uh, who says that they don't end up down the road at the super speedway again um, at Nashville super speedway. Um, I, you know, they, they could have a good race there, but I just, I, yeah, it, the officiating was terrible. I, I, I mean, Grant, those are probably volunteers doing it in their train. Um, and Watkins Glen, that there are flag officials in the corner. Their their track officials are actually volunteers um, because I've looked it up because uh, I've been interested in it. Um, but it's all volunteer base. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know where the uh, the the pit road thing that. That's okay. Um, I, 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 you know, IndyCar rules are different, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I just don't with the officials, but yeah, viewership great. Um, let's just hope if they do it next year that that number's the same or better. Yeah. Well, another thing too is you know, and this is big on um, the on NBC on IndyCar. Um, on all of the the parties involved, um, because as we know, if um, and I, I don't know if this was a, a sold out event. Um, again, according uh, to um, they had what did uh, they said they had one hundred and ten thousand fans total across three days, including yeah. sixty thousand for the actual race on Sunday. Yeah, um, I, I, I you know, a lot of them were in the stadium. Yep. So. Um, but with that said, the rest of the, the um, you know, people that couldn't go, um, you know, but still watched on TV, that was a huge draw on yeah. the, the rating side. Um, uh, again, according to this, uh, this article by Mike Organ, uh, the Nashville market delivered a 5.6 rating for an IndyCar race. And Knoxville was uh, the next one at 2.0. Um, you know, or Knoxville also had a big number at 2.0. Indianapolis at 2.6. So Knoxville was on par with Indianapolis just about. Um, yeah. And then Greenville, Spartanburg in South Carolina and then Louisville, Kentucky at 1.7. Um, so, you know, huge numbers for, you know, a street, a street course race in the middle of Nashville. Um, and it's also worth noting too, um, you know, we talk about, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly. We've definitely talked about some of the, the bad and the ugly that has happened as well as some of the good. Here's some more to, to consider too. And this is from, uh, from Gentry Estes, also of the Nashville Tennessean. Um, he uh, quoted uh, James Hinchcliffe, um, and I'm not sure if this was before or after, but he said, uh, Hinchcliffe said, uh, and I quote, for the first crack at it as an event, this was pretty freaking awesome. This town knew that we were here 
and it looked like it loved that we were here. So we've heard, you know, at, at different times, um, you know, and I've, I've heard this reference before on uh, Door Bumper Clear in particular, um, marketing that doesn't necessarily do, do its job of letting a city, letting a community, letting an area know that, you know, a race is coming to town. Um, and, you know, it, it, here's why you should go. And it sounded like Nashville did a really, really good job of that. Um, they really drew a lot of people's reaction um, and interest to come out and, and see this or to watch it on TV. And so um, from, from that side of things, um, you know, and, and, you know, they make a reference in here too. You know, anybody that's been to Nashville knows that they're pretty good at, at you know, having a party and, you know, mm -hmm. letting your hair down and, and having fun, you know? And so it sounded like from a broader perspective, that's what this race weekend was. It was an opportunity to have a whole lot of fun in something that had never really been done before in the city. So from that perspective, you want to look at it, you know, if you want to look at it from an optimistic point of view, which clearly um, the metrics for this race in terms of the number of people that came out in terms of the number of people that tuned in to watch it and including nearby um, and you know again good on nbc good on um you know nashville etc that you know this wasn't blacked out because you know there's there are some other uh sporting bodies that you know if you don't have a sellout or whatever then yes yeah, um you know they 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 black it out locally so um, so this was a, a, in, in that way, um, you know, a huge opportunity for them. And we've talked about a lot of, you know, hiccups and missteps that, uh, that happened this time around, but let's say, okay, they come back here next year and they're, you know, a little, little better verse now. They're a little more learned, right? And so... Make darn sure to get the grandstands built in time. Maybe they widen the racetrack in certain parts, right? Um, and, you know, they, they, they fix what they messed up, but they keep everything else. This could be a marquee event on the, on the uh, IndyCar calendar, you know, just like Long Beach is a marquee event. Who knows? You know, it's, there, there's, there was enough, positive that came out of this event to say eh, let's try this one more time and see what happens I, I i agree i mean that is i mean a lot of drivers did like it um you know with, with every any first year event you're going to have that learning and i think that you know i think if they do it next year i you know it, it would be great i mean they had great fans um, we know Nashville likes auto racing down there. Um, you know, they've had some good events this year. So, yeah, I, I mean, there, there are definitely positives to take away of. It's just, you know, from a business standpoint, you got to just hope that all the negatives um, don't, don't triumph over that. Because if all the negatives come, you know, sit there and you don't 
improve next year, then then it's going to be trouble. But mm-hmm. I, I think one one final thought before we head into break. Um, the, the other concern was they were getting close to sunset. Yeah, they got to um, move that start time I, back next year. That's You know what? Put temporary lighting up. Make it a night race on the streets of Nashville. You know, they like to party at night. Hey, we're going to have a party at night with the Indy cars. About doing that in like uh, like a twilight, you know, so you're uh, you start the race. You know, the sun's just about to set. It sets. You go into the, um, you know, you turn on the, you know, all the all the lights and everything. Yeah. And, you know, you finish and, up the race. Do it on a Saturday. Yep. And you got the city lit up in that yep. stadium. So yeah, that would be one epic party. So I'm uh, sure. IndyCar, if you're listening, give us a call. We, we we've got some good ideas for you. For a modest fee, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe a little promotion of our own too. Uh, that would be nice. Pr- promotion of own and some um, bra- uh, some media pa- uh, credentials to the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. We'll see. Um, for now, maybe uh, maybe somebody might stick us on top of their house for the first race at the fairgrounds. We'll yeah. So with that said, gentlemen, I know we'd like to talk more about this, but we got to roll into our break. Ryan's got a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, uh, we talk about Indy again. This is From Checker to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you looking to make your business stand out amongst your competitors? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the knowledge and resources to give your business a unique identity. Anything from logo design to business cards to advertising options such as postcards, flyers, and brochures. Everything you need to get your name out to your potential customers. For more information, contact Samurai Graphics at SamuraiGraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, Ryan. It's time to let the green flag fly. And this weekend, we're going back to the most hallowed ground in all of motorsports, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, to the road course. We got IndyCar action, we got NASCAR action, and big machines, again. uh, The IndyCar race is called the Big Machine Spiked Coolers Grand Prix, coming off of the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix of Nashville, of which we spoke of in the spotlight segment. Um, and then after that, we've got um, NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series racing from the road course as well. And for the, the Cup Series, this is their inaugural trip. 
to the Indianapolis road course. A lot of stuff to talk about. So, gentlemen, let's get to it. Um, Certainly. Given that we're talking about Indianapolis Motor Speedway, let's lead off with IndyCar and let's talk about what's coming up. So um, qualifying happened today and Pato Award took the poll. Um, he had his top lap was a mint 10.7214. Um, I don't have miles per hour on this. Um, Grosjean, uh, oh, Will Power was second. Roman Grosjean and Christian Lungard are going to start, uh, from the second row. And then we got Colton Herda was fifth. Uh, Palo is six. Scott Dixon, terrible qualifying, is going to start 26. Um, don't count Scott Dixon out. Um, he's, I mean, it's a track that he's good with. Um, Erickson's going to start 11th. Joseph Newgarn, 20th. And that, but he's going to move, but, um, he qualified 14th, but got a six position grid penalty for an unapproved engine change in Nashville. So, yeah, that's highlights from qualifying, but gentlemen, it's the same road course. It's a, it's going to be, um, IndyCar's going to be running 85 laps, 207.32 miles on the 2.439 road course. Um, I was watching video today, Mark Bull or Doug Bowles, um, said that, um, because of the cup guys being there, they went from 500 to 800 feet in the turn one breaking zone. Um, they've actually extended the breaking zone for the cup guys. So that's going to affect the IndyCar guys, but let's talk about it. you go backwards uh, counterclockwise uh, at the Indy road course. Um, you have a heart, a hard right-hander into turn one and then a hard left-hander. That's going to be big for it. And then you got three, four kind of right-handers and then a little S turn in five and six, and then the straightaway. And then you kind of snake through into turn two, come around turn two into the short shoot or what is turn two on the oval. And then you make a hard uh, right-hand turn um, about halfway into the short shoot, kind of actually kind of right before the final corner because pit road, um, you're going to make a couple of, you're going to make a little turn, a little left turn. That's where pit road begins. And then you kind of come back out uh, using a um, what would be the pit exit to come back out onto the front stretch um, with it. So it's a 14 turn road course and they use portions of turns one and turn two for the, uh, of it, of the racetrack uh, of the oval. So IndyCars had some good racing here this week at uh, the past few years, gentlemen, um, who do you think your favorite's going to be? 
Ooh, this is a tough one. This is all coming off of that uh, rather eventful race last week. Tough to pick somebody to stand out amongst this. Well, if the qualifiers are anything to go by, you know, Palu is sitting up front, but never underestimate the Indy Road course. Pedro Ward sitting up oh, front. Oh, Ward. I apologize. I looked at the wrong list. My bad. <laughs> are you looking up the, the, the spotter guide again? Maybe. <laughs> Don't drop your thing... sandwich off the pagoda. A couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just get escorted out. Yep. <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> but there's one thing I will say for absolute certain. Erickson, no stunt driving this time, please. No. Nope. Why? You don't want to see him um, try to, you know, do the high jump over the yard of bricks? If there's one thing I've learned about pushing your luck, don't. It never ends well. Well, no. well, it. But they learned their lesson from the first year when they had that big, when someone failed to start in the inaugural road course race there in the inaugural Indy Grand Prix and got ran over right at the start. They've learned their lesson. I should hope so. Oh, yeah. Mm. Just just um, just remember, Will Powers going for the perfect strike. That's what worries me. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's what worries me about him being on the front row. And, and considering he had no remorse over what he did last weekend, um, and, you know, and, and Ward is, and, and the word that I have heard is that um, Sindrick and Penske both were um, quite frustrated with him. But I think, I mean, I, I think my, I, if I got a look, I think Pato Award's going to do well. But I'm not going to count Roman Grosjean out. Yeah, no. I you can't. I mean, I I mean, I could see him winning this race. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's really good. He's been good at Indy. You know, he had a good Indy 500. He had a good. Um, he had a good Indy Road Course race earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, I but also don't count Scott Dixon out. Don't count him out. Starring twenty-six. Look at watch watch turn one and see how many positions he gains in that first lap. They'll dictate. If he gains a lot, he's on he's on par for a really good day. It's certainly possible. He'll definitely need to um employ some pit strategy and hope that the brakes go his way um, in order to um, to pick his way through the field and compete for the win. Um, I, I agree with you in that willpower, I think, is going to be a driver to watch. Uh, he, here's somebody that's very desperate to get in the victory lane, um, has not had a particularly good year um, as years go for him. So um, it'll be very interesting to see how this race plays out for him on, on uh, this weekend. Um, we talked about Grosjean. Um, you know, here's somebody that has performed very well, especially on road courses, had a lot of speed at Nashville, was running up inside the top five, I think, late. And I turn around for two seconds and he's 16th in the, the running order at the end. So, um He's had a lot of hard luck this year, but at the same time, that team has shown a lot of speed. 
Um, one driver that is notable here that I have never heard of before, um, so forgive me, but um, Christian Lundgaard he... is starting fourth in car number 45. That's Santino Ferrucci's ride. Yeah, he's a uh, Formula F2 champion, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. Uh, just, yeah, yeah, so, he's, um, he's, the. uh, oh yeah, it's his first IndyCar start, he is the FIA Formula 2 championship driver, um, it's, oh, who couldn't run, one of the, oh, it's in the cup, it's, um, Pappas, Pappas couldn't run, right, yeah, Pappas um, can't run. Yep. So, but someone in the Cup Series too, I think, can't run too. Yeah. Um, so that'll be an interesting road. Two will be an interesting road to um, to watch here. Colton Herta obviously, um, you know, had probably the dominant car at Nashville, undone um, by um, overdoing it into a corner late and ending up in the wall. Um, Rena's VK. He won here um, on the Indy Road Course back in May. So he starts ninth. Um, he'll be somebody to watch too. Beyond that, um, you know, I don't really see a whole lot of, um, uh, you know, there were some some cars that had their times disallowed today um, in qualifying. And uh, Scott Dixon was one of them. Uh, according to the, um, uh, the qualifying result, it was... Um, his best lap time to that point in the session was invalidated pursuant to rule 8.3.5.4. What that rule is, your guess is as good as mine, but um, I think he's starting too far back. I don't think he's going to be in, in competition uh, for the win. Um, I think you might see McLaughlin, you know, eke a top 10 out of this, but I don't really see anybody oh. else uh, back of maybe New Gardner. He caused uh, uh, he caused a local yell that affected another competitor. Thank you. So, uh, so those are my thoughts, uh, Ryan. What are yours? Like in all seriousness, no, I think Will Power is going to be the one to keep an eye on because, as you said, you know him hungry to do well this season after a lot of bad luck plaguing him constantly. I see him making very bold moves to either stay ahead or make sure he finds a way, if not to the front, near the front. And I think that's going to be something all the other drivers are going to be keeping at least one eye on with the other eye squarely on the track. So let's talk about NASCAR now, which is Sunday, which is going to be a 82 lap race. So, we said IndyCar's 85, NASCAR's running 82. Uh, stage breaks are going, the stages are 15, 35, and then 82 is the final. So let's get into this with the new cup guys, or with, with the cup guys running for the first time here. And they actually got practice. Um, the, the qualifying lineups virtual, but they're actually getting practice at this track. Mm-hmm. Oh, or actually, sorry. They do have qualifying. It's two rounds. My bad. 
it's yeah. Sunday morning, 9.05. Mm-hmm. Uh, get your coffee right. So let's talk about it. Um, Ryan, your your thoughts about what the cup guys running on the road course for the first time? And who do you think's going to win? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing them run the first time, just to see them, you know, get the feel of the track, seeing how qualifying goes, you know, determine who's going to stack up. But you got to figure that the uh, Hendrick guys coming in here are the heavy favorites. They've just been flexing on everyone in just about every road course this season's. So you got to feel like I do that they're the heavy favorites. Will it be Larson or will it be Elliot this time? Honestly, I don't see Larson's hot streak ending. I think he has what it takes to take another win. Elliot, uh, thoughts, expectations, concerns, we think's going to win. Um, well, clearly the, um, I think the Hanford cars are favored on this and any road course for the rest of the year. Um, the Gibbs guys have also shown that, um, they're not to be taken lightly. Um, those two teams, I think it's, you're going to see a, a heavyweight brawl between them, um, through the, the playoffs. And I think that this race will be no different. That said, I think there are some dark horses in this event. Um, and I'm looking firmly at Chase Briscoe in the 14 car. He is a native Hoosier and he won the Xfinity um, event at the Indy road course last year, uh, taking advantage of a frenetic last two laps between he, AJ Allmendinger, Austin Sindrick, and Noah Gregson. And I think Justin Haley as well. So um, that's somebody and we've seen him do well on road course this year, including a top 10 at Watkins Glen, um, which is no small feat. Um, so I'm looking for somebody like him. And then we've also talked about Michael McDowell as well. Um, him doing really well, um, you know, and, and overachieving um, for that team on road courses and on super speedways. Um, you know, the cookie cutters, that's kind of their, their Achilles, but, um, on road courses, McDowell has shown himself to be really strong as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely excited for this race. I think it's going to be really interesting. I, you know, I, I think this is what, I think this is the shot in the arm that NASCAR or that the cup series needed at Indy. Um, we, we kind of saw how the Brickyard 400 had gone over the years. And I think that's really good, you know, good for them that they're trying something new. People want road courses. I do like that they extended the break zone because I think if you had the, uh, the normal break zones, these guys would be having a tough time and a lot of overshooting. And if you overshoot the first corner, you got to kind of cut back in. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that first corner goes on a start with them and how they go throughout the, the first few laps. But I think it, 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 if they can be very clean, you're going to get a very exciting race. There's going to be opportunities to pass there. Um, as far as uh, Elliot, I agree. 
I think Chase Briscoe is your dark horse along with Austin Sindrick. Those two are um, really good and have run really good races there. Last year, they put on a really good show, those two. So I think that would be really good. I, I could see them. But my pick is, and I think he's going to do the hat trick this year on new road courses, is Chase Elliott. I think he sweeps the three new road courses they've run, they run this year. And, Very good. And, and so I think I think he's got it. Mm-hmm. If not, um, kudos to Larson for doing it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think on the Xfinity side too, um, this is a track that's very technical um, and demands, you know, as few mistakes as possible. Um, so for somebody like a, um, a Noah Gregson, I don't see him doing very well. Um, oh, uh, well, I mean, he was good last year. He was in there at the end. He was, but this year I think he's got a little bit more of a dart without feathers thing going on. So, yeah. Um, so I don't see him doing well. All guy or might, um, you know, obviously, um, Almondinger, you know, he's, he's a favorite every time we go to one of these, but, um, even he hasn't been getting it done, um, at times this year. So that, um, uh, this one's kind of wide open, I think. And then obviously we talked about Justin Haley before, um, mm-hmm. you know, being up there also. So um, that's going to be an interesting race too. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. And considering that the Indy cars run before the Xfinity guys, um, where last year it was um, Xfinity and then Indy car, mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll be very interesting because the Indy cars tend to run those red soft tires. So the rubber that will get laid down before the Xfinity race is going to be very interesting. And I think that's going to be, that's going to be interesting to see where um, that plays into that race later on. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these these different rubber compounds. It's certainly going to be a wild card this week. Yeah, yeah. So, but Cindric's running that. So who knows? I mean, you you've mm-hmm. got you even have Austin Dillon who's going to run it. So, you know, Ty Gibbs. You know, hey, Ty Gibbs. You know, has been really good this year. I mm-hmm. mean, he you know he won. Um, yeah, I think you won the ARCA race at Watkins Glen. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could be somebody out there that, that could do well. So, yeah. Sure. Ryan, any thoughts? Honestly, not much more I can add that you gentlemen have spoken so eloquently. It's going to be a fun race, both in Xfinity and in the Cup Series. Of that, I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yep, it will. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun weekend. Um and we're going to have a lot to talk about in our next episode. Um, but um, we're going into this weekend with a little bit of a shadow over the racetrack. Um, and leading into our final thoughts, um, the motorsports um, community and the broadcast community in particular um, lost a giant this last week. Bob Jenkins passed away from cancer at the age of 73. Um, 
to me, he was the anchor of the best motorsports coverage team ever assembled. Um, and in particular in NASCAR, the ESPN Speed World coverage uh, back in the 1990s when uh, when I first started really getting into into NASCAR, um, his his style and the way that he kind of kept you know that the way that um, he managed all these different people and personalities. Um, it was. Um, to me, he was he was the the best going, and uh, um, he was uh, a longtime announcer for um, Indianapolis Motor Speedway as well. David, I know you can probably offer a lot more thoughts on that, um, but um, uh, definitely one of a kind, and will be sorely sorely missed. Now, Bob Jenkins was one of the best to ever call a race, and I think a thousand different people, if you pull it you'd get that answer from all of them. Even if you were going into what could have been a mediocre race, if he was calling the race, the race was elevated for it. He just had that attention to detail and ability to work with them at any team you put him in. And he calling a race could keep you on the edge of your seat at all times. He had the gift. And same to say that we probably will never see his like again. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you listen, uh, I mean, it, it, it was shocking news this week to hear. Um, he, you know, Bob Jenkins, if you listen to dinner with racers podcast, they, they did an episode with him. And, you know, he grew up in Indiana and he fell in love with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And um, if it wasn't for Paul Page, who got him to do the IMS radio network, uh, the backstretch, um, you know, in, in the 70s, um, you know, he got into that, but. Um, so he started with the IMS radio network doing the Indy 500, but then um, Paul, um, Paul Page got him into ESPN and told him about it. And the, the things with, with what Bob did with NASCAR, his voice, and, um, you know, he, he had his highlights when he did the IMS radio network he called that finish on the radio broadcast of Alondra Jr. winning in 1992. And who would think many months later, he would call that great race that Hooters 500 on TV when the late Alan Kowicki won his first and only championship in the yeah. tightest battle ever in NASCAR mm -hmm. history. And then, you know, Bob Jenkins did um, Thursday Night th or helped with Saturday Night Thunder. Um, he worked with Gary, you know, Gary uh, Lee and, Larry, you know, the late uh, Gary Lee and the late Larry Rice. Um, he did Legends of the Brickyards with the late Larry Newber. Um, you know, and this year when it got announced that 
he had brain cancer. He had um, he had cancer once before, and he fought it. Um, and and the dinner with Racers podcast, um, he um, you know as he got older, he had somebody there to help him out. Um, he had a friend there who who would help him out, and you know it, one of the cool things I got to be in, in 2019 was um, after you know after Indy lost Tom Carnegie as the PA announcer they went to different people but they eventually settled on Bob Jenkins who lived nearby in, in Indianapolis lived near near the speedway and it was cool to hear you got, you went to Indianapolis and you, we were there for carb day and it was a rain delay and um, there was a lightning strike. And all of a sudden you hear on over the PA system, there's a light, there's lightning in the area. We're holding prac, we're holding until we, we get clear to let people in the grandstands and resume activity. And it was Bob Jenkins' voice, and I turned to my dad. And I go, Dad, you know who that is? He goes, Who? I go, Bob Jenkins. He goes, Oh, and oh, it it was just amazing just to listen to him, even during the race talk. Um, you know, listen on the racing scanner, you pick up the NDPA system frequency, and and listening to him talk and. Oh, it, it it was sad. I it, it it was really sad, and I was shocked when I heard it. I I saw it. I'm like, what? No, wait. And I and I had to look at. Um, yeah, it's you know he did a lot. He had a lot of good races. He worked yep. with a lot of good people. Um, yep. I um there's on YouTube, someone has put out a lot of um, broadcasts, uh, raw satellite feeds. Um, you can watch them on YouTube where if you don't know what raw satellite feed was, um, if you ever listen, take go to a uh, NASCAR race and listen to the MRN radio frequency and you hear the chatter in between breaks, that's what is, but it's a TV broadcast. And mm-hmm. um, two memories stick out to me. And you want to talk about someone who in the darkest moments handled it really well. The first one was um, they were at Pocono and they got word that Benny Parsons' wife had died. And he came back from break and he off the fly said the, the most amazing words that uh, about Bay, you know, about Bay Park's wife and, and the family and, and Benny and thinking about you. And it, it was amazing. Um, 
you know, what he did in such a fitting tribute. But the second one is, is when J.D. McDuffie was um, tragically lost his life at Watkins Glen in 1991. And, the, you know, you listen to it, you watch it, and you listen to it, and you're hearing the feed, and, and they're talking, and then they find out what happened. And right off the bat, again, Bob Jenkins just says just says the most spiritual thoughtful words ever that in the next break Ned Jarrett goes well said Bob um couldn't say any better I mean he knew how to do it. And yes, he had that mark on broadcasting. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just amazing. Yeah, um, he had a he had a heck of a career. Great, great career. Days yep. of Thunder, his voice was in it. Talladega Nights, his voice was in it. Or yep. he was in it. Um, he did the EA Sports Racing Games. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, Bob, and I uh, go join those great announcers up there. Yep. Um, Hell his, of a career, indeed. Um, his his vocal stylings, um, and just his, the way that his words carried, and the way that um, the and the way that he was able to make his commentary float over the um over the events of the race as they were happening um were in tune to a degree of perfection that i don't, I don't think um will ever be matched yeah and um yeah it, he's he's definitely set the book um you know or has definitely written the book whether he knows it or not on how to be a, a a great broadcaster this is what a great broadcaster is supposed to sound like this is how um you know this is how you think about things this is how you um uh you know david like you talked about how you um you know deal with situations that that come up that um you know or kind of beyond the scope of um um of racing and you know get into um you know broader humanity itself um there'll um there'll never be another like him but there's going to be a whole lot of folks that are going to try oh yes yeah um and i guess well you know we're talking about um you know great people in the, the the broadcast sector that you know, have, have left us and those that are still here, but, you know, we're not doing well. Uh, want to send a, a shout out to Robin Miller as well. Um, he was um, honored today at uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They had a nice ceremony for him there. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was in attendance. It was great to see him there. Um, and uh, so all the best to him too. And uh, we hope he's doing well. Yep. And, and we, you know, send him best wishes. His He's moving to Phoenix to, be with family um and he's brought his mailbag back uh on racer.com 
and you know glad to see they got the in- induction and NBC Sports today I saw it in the restaurant I was in and I watched online later he did a very fitting tribute to Bob Jenkins so yeah uh, we we wish the best for Robin Miller and you know yeah our, our thoughts are with him as well yep and with that said let's hope that um the racing this weekend is befitting for uh, for coverage of two giants in this industry um, that that broadcast it. So, with that said, uh, that's all for me. Um, this is uh, this has been episode number twenty five of From Checker to Green. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you hopefully next week on episode number twenty six. As always, we appreciate everyone that takes the time and trouble to listen to everything that we have to say. Can't thank you enough. We hope you continue to do so. And we will catch you on the next round. I'm David Moy. Thank you for listening. We we appreciate all our viewers listening and enjoying the, the ride we do here. And we'll catch you on the next episode. This is From Checker to Green the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast. (laughs) 